0: What's going on, Elevate City in Stone Creek? Man, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. If you don't know me, my name is Caden Dolmage, and I'm in our leadership development program, and it has been one of the greatest honors of my life. I have been given opportunities I never would have dreamed of in this program. Moments where I've spoken life into, moments and opportunities like this, being able to preach on a Sunday, never in my wildest dreams did I think this would come true. I have grown up in this church. I've walked these halls as a fourth and fifth group. I even had Stephen Gibbs as like a second father to me because my best friend, John. Like Stephen was one of my basketball coaches. And if you think that Stephen's neck veins and muscles come out and preaching, you should see him in a basketball game. It is very intimidating and very terrifying. Joey has been like a mentor, best friend. He was my student pastor coming in when I was in eighth grade. And we have done so much life together. We have played crazy what are the odds. We have had crazy spike ball games and tournaments and basketball and I usually beat him one-on-one but he might say different but and he's kind of responsible for my fiance coming to her senses and like the reason we're getting married in five months so hallelujah I love this place this church is my dream come true it's given me everything and I'm just so excited to jump in and continue our series in James so I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and we will hop in. Dear God, I pray that you just do something today that I could not, that your Holy Spirit would go beyond so many lengths and measures that it would speak so many words into the hearts of our people, so many words that I could never think of, so many words that I could never dream of, so many words that are exactly what our people need to hear. So Lord, I pray for each and every person watching this stream, all these people, my friends in this room, God, would you just do something in me, would you just do something in our church as we continue this series on James. Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I love James. Like I read James when I got saved, kind of going into my senior year of high school. It was so impactful for me as a senior and so impactful throughout my journey in college. And so I just began reading James kind of again, just to refresh my mind, to understand like what context we're in. Like what is James saying in chapters one and two? I'm just like, let's go. Like I'm gonna be able to preach chapter three. I'm getting pumped. I'm getting there. And we get to the first verse. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Thanks, James. What an <laughs> encouraging message as I'm preaching my first and I guess maybe my last message ever on a Sunday as this is very encouraging. But I think what James is trying to say is, I mean, teachers hold a lot of weight. They have a lot of power because the world is either made new, it is either life or death that is brought in the power of the tongue. Man, our words can bring life or death. And so teachers have such a responsibility and I've had such a conviction in preparing for this message that we would all see how powerful our tongue is. That we would see the words that we could either speak life into people or words that we wish we could take back, words that we regret. And we're just gonna hop all into it, and we're gonna get everything out of what James is trying to say to us. And so James continues on. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. I can remember when I was in fourth grade, my family went to Costa Rica and we were gonna do something that I was so excited about because I've been dreaming of this moment and we were gonna go horseback riding. And I love horses, they're beautiful, they're majestic. And so we go to line up and we're getting like kind of horses assigned to us and I see my horse. And I'm like, oh my, yes. Like I, this horse is like straight out of Narnia. It is like a horse that is like Jack, this white stallion. It's Steven Gibbs as a horse. And I'm just like so pumped that this is my horse. But I'm like, I'm terrified. I'm like, this thing can crush a small car. And if you see me on this horse, like you can see I have this picture of what we looked like as a relationship. You can understand why I was so scared. This horse is probably like 2,000 pounds and I'm like 40 pounds soaking wet as a fourth grader. And I'm asking him, I'm like, guys, there's no way, like I, I, I'm, I'm too scared. I kind of start like crying and shaking They're like, listen, all you need to do is grab the reins. Because of the bit that's in its mouth, because of the reins that controls it, all you gotta do is hold on and it will do exactly what you say. Me as a 40 pound soaking wet fourth grader, have the power over a 2,000-pound horse. And as a small rudder guards and guides a large ship, that is the power that our tongue has. Man, our life, our world is created by the words that we speak. And that's what James is getting at, that we have such power, such high regard in our words that can either bring life or death. Everyone's heard the, The cliche saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Man, whoever created that saying obviously lived in a world without words. Because I can remember moments in my life where I was spoken life into and moments that scarred me forever. Moments that led to insecurity. Moments like as a ninth grader who I wasn't much bigger than I was in that picture. And I remember going in the locker room I was around a whole bunch of juniors and seniors and this guy looks at me and he goes, Little Domage, man, man, your brother's is this, this D1 football player, all-state, all-region. Your sister was a track, cross-country soccer star. She went D1. Man, you're so little. Like, do you even play sports? And the rest of my high school, I was insecure about the expectations and shoes I could never fill. I can remember in that moment just feeling so less than and feeling that I would never be as good as my brother and sister. Because the power in our words can bring life or death. Such a small fire can set ablaze the forest of life. And he continues on, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. <laughs> I, I remember reading this verse and I started laughing. Like, man, James thought we had tamed every animal. And as I was talking about this message and preparing with Joey, he was telling me these stories of how we have tamed animals nowadays. And it's wild, like the things that we can do, we have taken an elephant, like the most massive animal in the world, something a semi-truck could hit going full speed and probably get stopped in its tracks. And we tame an elephant to balance on a balance beam and shoot a basketball. What in the world? We take a grizzly bear, a grizzly bear. That is the most terrifying animal in the world to me. And we tame it to be on ice skates, like to skate around next to people. We can tame these animals. The killer whale, the most deadly animal in the world, we have doing 360s and flips at SeaWorld. We have been able to tame animals to do the most ridiculous and wild things. Cobras, snakes, it doesn't matter but he's saying it's even harder to tame the tongue. Something so small holds the power of the world. And as I began researching what, how these animals were trained and kind of what happens to them, I discovered that 18% of these trainers have disastri- disastrously been hospitalized by these animals. People that work in circuses, zookeepers, people just out in the wild, 18% have been hospitalized due to a lack of training. And James saying, that, that's what I'm here for. James is trying to be the ultimate trainer, the ultimate trainer to go, look, if you don't hold the reins, if you don't continuously put up safeguards, if you don't make sure you're having everything together, if you're not continuously putting this into practice, it's going to lead to death church, when's the last time you just stopped and thought about your words? When's the last time you just resignated on if your words are bringing life or death? All of us know someone who's got no filter <laughs> that just says whatever comes to mind and may be funny, but they can also be very demeaning. Man, they can say things that about our way, about our intellect, about us, that just seem like a joke, but cut us down to the very bottom. And Solomon talks about this and he says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. We do that as a culture. We say, oh, I was just joking. Oh, I was just kidding. Come on, don't, don't be sensitive. Don't take it like that. Like, ah, like ah, it was just a joke. Man, jokes don't just reflect the person who's making them. They land on the person who's receiving them. Parents, what you joke around to your kids, they're remembering that the rest of their life. What people are saying to their spouse is creating the relationship and world that their marriage lives in. But Jesus, on the other hand, says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And James just echoes this, the brother of Jesus. He goes, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. The greatest things in the world have come because of the power of the tongue. The greatest moments where it's mountaintop, our world is the best thing ever also has led to the deepest, darkest moments. It was because of one man's compelling speech. One man who had such a type of rhetoric that was so compelling, so convincing, that had so much power and one muscle that he caused a world movement to happen that led to the death of six million Jews. It was that same war where Winston Churchill would give a speech about the iron curtain and it was the power of his tongue that got Great Britain and the United States into the war to save maybe 6 million more that were going to be killed. It was Martin Luther King who because of his I have a dream speech and because of the conviction in his heart, the love of Jesus in his heart that echoed out of his mouth that brought life. It was because of his words that earth looks more like heaven that we are not separated on buses, that we are not separated in schools, that our church looks more like heaven because all nations are gathered together. Words can bring life or death. Guilty or not guilty. I do or I don't. I cheated. I love you. We're pregnant. We're getting a divorce. Words hold the power in an instant to create either life or to bring death. And James closes with this picture. And I don't think it's by accident that this is kind of the most symbolic moment of James. It's kind of creating this illustration because he's just echoing what's throughout the whole story of the Bible. And he says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt bond yield fresh water. God throughout the entire Bible did this. He created the world literally through his words. Like we look back in Genesis and repeated nine times, 10 times, it says, God said, and then this happened. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be life. And there was life. God spoke and created the world that we live in because words create the world. It is by this illustration, it is by what happens out of our worlds that we know the heart of what is happening. But we live in a different generation. We live in a generation where it's not only the words that show what's in our heart, it's the keystrokes. It's the keyboard. And what if I told you I could look at your Facebook, I could look at your Twitter, I could look at your text messages and I could tell you what's coming Out of your mouth, through a phone, through a computer is what is in your heart. What would your heart look like on display? If the whole world looked at you through your social media and how you texted, would they say that you bring life or that you bring death? Can you imagine what our world would look like if we actually listened to Paul? See, Paul in Ephesians 4 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such as is the good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. No one, no one has ever lived in this entire world that goes, and you know what, I've just had too much encouragement today. (laughs) You know, I've I've been too loved, I've been too fought for, I've been too just blessed, too encouraged, like, no, I'm good, like, that's just way too much. That person has never existed in this entire world that would go, ah, just stop. I I need death. I need, just put me to shame. Just say bad things. Say things that you're going to regret the rest of your life. Say things that I know you're going to wish that you could get back. Like, no, say those things to me. No, if we listen to Paul, what would our world look like? And I want to close with these five tips and tricks, I guess. I'm in the leadership development program. So I'm like asking for these all the time. And so I just want to leave you with these five kind of practical things that we could bring life with our words. And number one is that some of you need to talk less. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) But man, we see these moments of Jesus' life where it was because of less words that actually more life happened we see the story of a woman who's caught in adultery and they're trying to trick Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you, are you gonna condemn her? Are you gonna speak that she's guilty? And Jesus, in this moment, of course he's God, like he has the right answer, just says, let the, pers- let the f- person who has no sin cast the first stone. And then he kneels down and instead, instead of preaching at them, instead of preaching at her, Instead of having all the right words, he begins to write in the sand. And a lot of theologians kind of go back and forth of what Jesus was writing, but kind of the most popular vote, kind of the most popular idea is that he's began writing the sins of the men who are condemning her. And that moment of wordlessness led to more life for her. And she walked away feeling empowered and courage, not guilt and shame, because Jesus says, they don't condemn you, nor do I. And number two is that some of you need to talk more. I'm not talking, and James isn't talking that you should just be mute, that you should just not talk, that you should just be passive aggressive. But some of you need to talk more because you actually have words of life. Like God talked, the whole Bible is the word, the whole Bible is meant to bring us life. And some of you have the right words to say, have the right encouragement, who have every single thing that everyone needs to hear, but you're just scared to say it. Jesus and some of the most powerful moments either led by his actions or led with his words. Like giving Peter a new name, like calling the woman with the blood issue, daughter. Jesus spoke life into people as much as he was silent. We see it kind of both come to a close when Jesus is walking down the road as he's on trial and he's gonna be crucified. And so he's being beaten and mocked. And they're saying, man, why don't you just defend yourself? Why don't you just talk? Why don't you just say that you're man of God? Like he's literally being spit on, the most disrespected, the most betrayed moment of his entire life. And you would think he could preach. He could say all the right things. He could say, Father, just get me out of this. Father, just save me. He could say anything. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus didn't talk about another story of his life. He didn't just share something of his insight. His heart was on them, not himself. And number three is that what comes out is because of what comes in. A lot of us are confused maybe by what we're saying So we're like, I just always seem to say the wrong things. I just always seem to mess up. I just never have the right thing to say. I mean, just begin to look around yourself and to see the people that are in your life, see the movies that you watch, see the music that you listen to, see the speaker that you listen to. And just wonder, man, are they bringing me life so that life can come out of me? Because if we're just listening to death, only death can come out. Only death is gonna, he brought about death but when life is spoken into us like in this development program when life was spoken into me when i was always encouraged i couldn't wait to go encourage somebody i couldn't wait to go pray for somebody i couldn't wait to go try to talk i just wanted to preach all the time because people were preaching life into me and i was just like i just have to go share this message i just have to go share this gospel i just have to go share this scripture because of what was coming in And number four is that sometimes we say horrible things because we do not know what God has said to us. I can't help but think that maybe Jesus in that moment of saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do is because he already knew who he was. He knew that at his baptism, the father said, he is mine. He is my beloved son. The disciples go on a rocky journey of up and down But when they say the right things, when we see them do amazing things, it was because out of this love, out of this identity that they were a son or daughter of the kingdom. Because they knew the promises of God, the Israelites all throughout the Old Testament are always going because God said this, remember the God of the Exodus, remember what God did for us. It's always this acknowledgement that if we're gonna first do something, we have to know who we are. And number five, is that we cannot have the words of life unless we are in the word of life. You wanna know what to say. You wanna know how to pray. You wanna know why your life is maybe in shambles or maybe why you are on the mountaintop. It is because of your relationship with the word. We are never gonna be able to have the words of life or say the right things unless we know what they are when we know who created words, who created our tongue, who created everything that could bring life or death and what he says about us, what he says about him, what he says that we should say to other people is all in his word. It is in his word that we find life and it is outside of his word when we get away from it, when we get callous to it, that we find death, that people speak death to us. It is only in the power of the word. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your brother James, who is so challenging and encouraging, who puts this mission before us to go, look, everything rests in the power of the tongue. God, I pray for our words. I pray for our words this week, that some of us need to say words to other people. Some of us need to text people and say, I'm sorry I said this to you 10 years ago and I have the keys to release you to this bondage that I had put you in with my words. And some of us need to say to other people that I forgive them. Some of us need to say to our parents, thank you. Some of us need to say to our sons or daughters that I love you. God, I pray that people would say things to you this week, that people would say I'm back that people say I'm returning, that people would say I have walked away from the word of life, I need to get back in it because my life is not life, it is a forest on fire, it is an animal uncontrolled, that my tongue only brings death to the people around me. God, help me to have the words. God, I pray that our words, our church could just start this movement of following Paul, of following Jesus to speak life into people to be the ultimate encouragers. God, I pray for all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.